Welcome back to the Broadway Block. On today's episode, coming back from the All-Star break, we got the Avalanche tonight, and we got a special guest. We got Will Cohen of the Blue Shirt Blueprint Podcast. Will, how are you tonight? I had a long, stressful day. I had two tests, a quiz, a presentation. Now I get to come home, talk about the Rangers, watch the Rangers game. I say that's a pretty good day, pretty good end. As long as they pull through for you, Will, right? Exactly, exactly. If they don't pull through for me, then I'm going to go to bed angry. It's hard because I want to be excited about the All-Star game, and I want to be excited about the skills competition. But you could just tell by, obviously, some of the players. But, I mean, it's just not entertaining to watch. And then I just have, like, a week where I just have no hockey. So I'm excited to be back. It always feels like when this happens, we have some good momentum, and the break just kills us. So it's interesting where this break will happen and maybe it'll actually be good for us because we're not playing strong hockey before that break happened. But if there's anything to be excited about, it's everybody should be coming back with a little bit of a of a reset. And I was curious if Igor was going to play tonight because it does seem like, you know, Gorgiev has his number. So um, interesting move to to start quick. But maybe you do that because because Igor went to the All-Star game. Yeah, I, I was kind of shocked that Igor wasn't getting the start either tonight. Um, I mean, maybe they wanted to give him some rest, but I, I like what you said about the skills competition because me and my girlfriend were watching, and let me tell you, Kucherov made that so hard to watch. Oh, my goodness. I was I was getting mad, and I don't even care about the skills competition. Like, I was just it – was, it was just horrible. But I do like the million-dollar prize that they did at the end. I thought that was actually really cool. I mean, David went through that thing, but – I'm I'm curious to see how Igor does after the All-Star break because, you know, in the All-Star game and during the skills competition, he looked, I mean, I thought he looked good. And sometimes I think that'll give a player, you know, some confidence, even though they're not, the players aren't really trying. I think it could give them some confidence and I'm excited to see him come back and, and finish this season strong because obviously, like we know, he hasn't been playing the best and and it's not the normal Igor, but I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out for him. Well, it's funny you guys both said that about the skills competition because I felt the same way, and <clears throat> I don't know what it is, but I guess the NFL Pro Bowl's kind of done the same thing. They've gotten away from that, like, Pro Bowl game, and I just really feel like it's all about the skills competition, and then they're like, oh, and we'll play a little bit of hockey at the end. Not like how it used to be where there was kind of more the a bigger rivalry between the East and the Western teams. As you guys said, Hoping Igor comes out this start of the second half of the season and really like puts it forward. Steve, you have said it before that you kind of think that Gagorgiev always has Igor's number. We always kind of do see that. So maybe the all-star break was a good way to say that, hey, we'll just give him a little extra rest. And, you know, so like he starts off on the second half of the season on the right foot. Lindgren looks ready to re- be recharged. I'm hoping we come out fast because the NHL is a fast league now and we were looking slow before the NHL all-star break. So Will, what do you see for us going forward? I'm, I I really don't know. I mean, it kind of, to me, it really depends on what they do at the, at the trade deadline. I mean, we all know they need a first line right winger. We all know they need a third line center. And I'm, I, I really think that's, that's what the season depends on is, is if they can get what they need and not give up too much. I mean, we we saw how they were the last two months. They they didn't play. They they weren't playing very well. Uh, they started off the season really hot. 
I don't know what happened. Something, I mean, injuries might might have caught up to them or something, but they just look bad. And I, I really do think that the season or the second half of the season really does fall on the trade deadline and how Chris Drury does that and how he addresses that. Well, a lot of people are quick to, I mean, point out right wing at the moment, but you know, with Kako back in the lineup, I feel like all of that has to zero in on the third line center. Both the positions that you mentioned are like crucially important, but you know, we did have some injuries early, you know, like the team faced its adversity with Shesterkin being out for a little bit and Fox was out for, for a longer time. And I kind of got this sense that we were going to get Heedle back um, just from the way that things were progressing. And then obviously he hits that, um, you know, skid where he falls or, or whatever on the ice. And they were all pretty, you know, ambiguous about what had happened, but it all kind of seems like concussion protocol um, just from the way that they're handling it. So, you know, the player first, like the person, you know, before the player, I feel like is so common nowadays. And that's great um, that the organization is putting his health back first as like a priority but it really does stink for the team it you know i guess it speaks to who he is as a player like that's a huge loss but you kind of have to take advantage of it right like i i hate to say it like that but it's if there's any silver lining to it it's that like we have this opportunity now to spend this money and you know salary cap in deadline space now you're pressed with this situation like what do you do you know and i think we saw it last year with Drury going for like Tarasenko and Kane like you know if you told me all season that we were going to get one of them like sure I could I could believe it but the way he went out and did both of it I feel like that tells you how much pressure is on him to you know really get it done or feel some success and get over the hump in the playoffs this year so now that we're in this situation you got to make the most of it and they're going to do something you know like you already could kind of get that that sense but now that he'll um, doesn't look like he's going to return by the playoffs or even past then. We're in this weird spot where we're not always going to have this opportunity. And it, it sucks to call it an opportunity, but that's what it is at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, it it really did suck with having, I mean, he, he was coming back on track. It looked like he was going to make a return. And then all of a sudden the beat reporters just say he goes down. No one saw what happened. And then he gets shut down for the rest of the year. And it sucks because it's a blessing and a curse because you have this kid who who started breaking out last year who was supposed to have this huge role with the team he goes down i think 10 yeah 10 games in goes down starts coming back and then goes back down again gets shut down for the season but the blessing is now you have 4 million dollars in cap space at the deadline now instead of just going out and getting one player you can get, let's say, a depth, uh, a 3C, and then let's say if they do want to get another right winger on the third line, they go and do that. They can do that comfortably. It's not like they have to do cap gymnastics like it was last year. And this is going to sound really bad, but I think it kind of, this just fell into their lap, into Drury's lap that, you know, Hedo goes down and now they have all this space in a time where they're struggling, in a time where it's kind of obvious what they need and what Drury needs to do. So it was a blessing and a curse of Hedo going down. Do you think that I know we both all agree with the third center? Um, what about the defensive? I just don't see Zach Jones as like, you know, the seventh defenseman. I just also could kind of see us going after some defenseman more than even more than a right wing, because I'm I'm with Steve in the fact that uh Capo Caco's back and 
obviously we've heard the trade speculations on him. So maybe we are trying to upgrade at right wing, but for now he's a formidable right winger up there playing. And obviously we can shuffle him anywhere, you know, in the lineups. But do you think that we need to get a defenseman too at the trade line? Will I could see them getting a, a defenseman. Um, I, I don't know if a third pair has the th- well. The third pair hasn't been good defensively. I mean, I, I do like Gustafson, I do like Schneider, but they're just not very strong in their own end. Um, and I really, I, I could see them going for the seventh defenseman. A name that I like, and I liked at the trade deadline last year, and I was really, I was really pissed that they didn't get him. Was Jacob Megna, big stay-at-home defenseman, just prototypical guy that kind of, you know, the last two years Chris Drury has gotten um, Braun and Mikula. It's kind of like one of those guys where he's just big. Stay at home defenseman and is good in his own zone. And I mean, I could see the Rangers getting him. He's not very cheap. I mean, he is cheap, not expensive at all. Um, and I'm I, I really do think they could upgrade at that seventh at that seventh defenseman because, like you said, I, I just don't know if Zach Jones is going to cut it for what they want. Yeah, I think come playoff time, not to not to be that guy that says you need you know size over some small kid that's you know going to try to thread the needle too much, but. Basically, it's going to come down to Jones or like Connor Mackey, for example. And I think looking at the way that you like you just mentioned that we've kind of bolstered that role seemingly in only guys that are like six foot two that like to play more of a a physical game. um, I can definitely see him getting the edge over it. And I also feel like when you're weighing prospects and, you know, you want to try to add a little bit of a chip to a trade. I feel like it's more attractive to package like Jones in a second to get what you want as opposed to somebody like Mackey, um, where we know that he can kind of come up and play that in a limited role, at least from what we've seen. So I, I do agree with both of you that the seventh defenseman is kind of a question mark, but I would say as far as trading, it, it's really going to come down to that third line center to see what kind of flexibility you have. Cause you know, if you look at just the way we started this year, like Vincent Trocek, who's on like basically a point per game pace, he was supposed to be the third line center. So there really was a commitment to a long-term contract to have that role buttoned up and not have to worry about it. So, you know, we talk about blessing and a curse. Like the other blessing is like Trocek coming up and, and being able to play second line minutes was huge because otherwise we'd be looking at a much bigger problem than that's finding a second line center at the deadline and most of those names are are already off the block now. Um, so it's interesting, you know, what is out there and what approach we take and really who's left. And as you get closer to the deadline, the price only goes up. You know, I think one of the cool things last year we saw that we don't really get to see a lot was when we went after Tarasenko, like there's a lot of time for him to gel with the team. And as we sort of, you know, wait a little bit, we're not, we're not getting any closer to making it happen. We're just making the price go up and and maybe pricing ourselves out of some of the options that are still available. So it's interesting for sure. You know, well, you just I think the Canucks hot. overpaid on Lindholm. Oh my God, they overpaid. Right? Oh, I thought they overpaid too. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, I I agree with you. So at I, least I, let that get water yeah. drop. But like, I, I'm with you, Steve. You got to find the right area of expertise when to like make the right trade. It feels like that with the direction of the team right now, the way that the lineup is built, like we're kind of top six heavy and I can see somebody coming in and sliding in that right wing slot and giving us, you know, a deeper team that way. But I can also see us like doing a little too much, bringing in too many guys. They don't all work out and we're left with like the same mess that we hit in the playoffs is like 
trying to figure it out in April, you know? So honestly, the earlier we get this done, the better, like good on those teams, you know, the jets and the the Canucks for kind of identifying where they want to move as a team right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I do like Joe that you said it was an overpay because I, hundred percent agree that it was an overpay for Lindholm. I mean, is he good? Yes, but Kuzmenko, a star defenseman, I think they gave up another prospect and a first round pick is that was a lot. And then Monahan fetching a first round pick. I was really happy the Rangers did not do that. That was a name that was thrown around a lot. And I a think lot. I think it came out that Drury and um that they never even talked about it. Like he wasn't even on their board or anything. They didn't even want to talk to the um, Canadians or something like that. But I mean, this, it, it seems like right now this market is not really for buyers because obviously the top two after Lindholm and Monaghan, I really can't, I mean, you got like Henrique and Vetrano are names being thrown out there and Daniel Sprong and, and names like that, but it kind of just feels like it's a seller's market this year. It's not really a buyer's market in my opinion. And I think the Rangers, if they're going to want to do something, they're going to have to make a move now, I think, because it's going to get a lot, a lot, a lot. Exp- it's going to get really expensive as as it goes on. As, and as we've seen Monaghan and um, Lindholm, what they fetched so far. Definitely, definitely a seller's market. And I definitely think the Rangers are only in like a rental situation. Also, I kind of think that after this season, if this group of guys doesn't work out, that you kind of have to make some kind of off-season move to break up this core because it's limiting us even in the trade deadline of like what we can get because we have those and our youth are we're so stocked up at the top top six yeah i agree with that i mean people are, are talking about capo caco and trading him for like for toronto and henrique but why why are you trading caco for a rent for just a yeah, rent that, like, that doesn't like, make any it, sense. it makes no sense to me like this kid's 20 I, I get it he hasn't really worked out here like we've wanted him to but he has upside teams are gonna see that he's this young kid he's 23 years old 22 23 like why would you want to trade him for a rental when you can get you could probably get something of value for long term for him like you're not just gonna dump him for a, a thing of pucks like that is I just I, I hate seeing people say that like that. I think today I saw Boone Jenner for Kako and I think it was Kako and Jones and a, and a first. And I just I I kind of just scrolled past it because I really couldn't believe it. But if you're going to trade Kako. But what, but what is Kako's market like value? Like what what does he fetch? I mean, in my opinion, it, it's probably you're probably gonna, if you're gonna package up Kako, it's probably gonna be like Kako Jones and like a pick for. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, you, I mean, I guess Vetrano has like two years left on his contract if you want to get him and Henrique. But at the same time, it's like I really would hate doing that. I would hate giving away a 23 year old for that. Like that would just. I I I really don't think there's a market for Kako right now. At the same time, I really don't. Yeah, it's tough because I think his value is at the moment highest on this team. I think where we're at right now, we've kind of been saying, you know, for the last two years or so that we need the contributions from these guys while they're on their ELCs. We didn't really get that contribution. They're on their bridges. So it's like we're really in a point where we need production from like the cheaper contracts and you can't 
hold him to this like second overall pick value if you're going to talk about like what's he worth on the market but i don't think he fetches what his potential still is and you're shooting yourself in the foot i mean where could we set our our like highest point totals for him of his career like at this point 70 points in a season would be i think higher than most people would have him picked so it's like you have to be a little bit more realistic with like what he can get. And it would just be terrible asset management to like, you know, look at the Frank Vetrano trade the first time, a fourth round pick for like a guy that has such a, a huge impact on the team, both on, on paper and, you know, in the locker room. And then you look at the Tyler Mott move and you can argue that doing the trade again down the deadline where you only had to eat like 300 K of that contract for a, plug and play guy like Mott, like you can argue that those were good asset managements by Chris Jury, but trading Caco and like people are talking about like and a first for the trade package that you just said, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to think about it that we would just undo all the good from those two moves and to move into that direction of being like that desperate where all we can afford to do is at the deadline. It's like sucks to say it but i agree with joe like it's almost time to kind of like reevaluate that core that are unfortunately locked up for quite a long time yeah and i i 100 agree with that too i mean it's just right now they're not cutting it you're not getting enough you're not getting enough scoring from your core guys like i mean you're getting it from panarin and trocek but i mean zabanajan and Kreider haven't been they haven't been themselves this season and and that's really hurting the team and I, I do agree with both of you as well. This if if they don't if they don't win a cup this year, and I don't I don't know if I can say that I'm confident in that that they're going to. Um, they're there's something's going to happen. There's going to be a roster shakeup, and people are not going to like it. And it's 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 it's, a, it's inevitable. It's inevitable at this point. It's 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 New York. Like win win or die in New York. It's like what what does Chris Drury have to do? And it it's it's scary to think that this season started out very high and like oh we we're not even going to be looking at the trade deadline to do that much. And it's weird to me that we got back to the same place as last year with the right wing position. But that's where I also argue the point of like Kako. Yeah it's bad asset management to trade him away when he's so young, but it's every year. It's like, you know, he's, he's injured and then we're waiting for him to like finally bloom and blossom into that player. Yeah. There's still a lot of time. We've seen it before with other players in the league, like the Matt Duchesne's and everybody else, you know, that come up later in the Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but it's just, is it going to be with us? That's the real question. Will the Capo Caco that, is the NHL star he's supposed to be happen with the New York Rangers? That's the question. Yeah, and I, and I think right now where the Rangers are at, it's it's a win now mode. You cannot wait. I hate saying this because I I do like Kako and I, I wish he could develop here with the Rangers. But where they're at right now, it's Stanley Cup or bust. Like that's that's all that matters in New York at this point. And you can't wait for these young kids to just. You can't just wait year in and year out for them to have production because at that point you know, what's going to happen. Your, your core is going to get too old. You're going to have to trade them away. And like, you just, it, you, you can't keep waiting. It, that's just, that's just bad. It's just bad stuff to do. You just, if you want to win a Stanley cup right now, you've got to have production out of him. And that's not what's happening. And I hate saying that because I really do love Kako, but 
I don't know if he's going to become the second overall pick he was supposed to be here in New York. It's just probably not going to happen. What? What? Do you, here's our weird scenario. What if the Devils took Capo Caco and we got Jack Hughes? Would we be saying Jack Hughes is great, or do you? Would we be like we fucked it up with Jack Hughes? See, I don't know. Um, that, like, it was a weird time in Rangers world, like during that rebuild letter had come out, people were flying around. David Quinn times, you know. You know, I think. See, Kako and, and Hughes kind of started off at with that same, like, that their first year just wasn't what anyone expected it was going to be. Like, it was just a lot worse. And, and I mean, Hugh, Hines did have Hughes on that fourth line for a little bit of that season. I mean, he buried him, but they got Lindy Ruff the next season, and they just started letting him play how he wanted to play. And I think that's that's just not what the Rangers – that's not what the Rangers did with Kako. But honestly yeah. – at the same time, I feel like we'd be probably having the same conversation with Jack Hughes right now because of just how bad the Rangers are with their with developing prospects. It'd probably just be like, all right, this kid, it, like, we're not going to get any production out of him trying to trade him while Kako's, you know, this 100-point guy with the New Jersey He's Devils. small. Yeah, he's small. You know, he's fragile. He can't, he can't take hits. He's not going to perform in the playoffs, you know. I yeah. honestly think that's how it would have been. Knowing the Rangers' luck, that's probably how it would have gone. I think it's like it's it's different. And one thing like no one ever talks about in the what if conversation with would we have developed Jack Hughes? It's like Kako doesn't have two brothers who are also lighting up the league and breaking records for their respective positions. So like it'd be a hugely different conversation if we're like, oh, it's just like the Kakos are just they're built different. Like they just come into the league and produce. Like we know based off of the way that Luke and Quinn have entered the league and just done what they've done. I feel like, yeah, you can kind of say like he would have, he would have hit the ground running regardless of the scenario. And like probably would even be better because we probably have better players than the devils do pound for pound minus Jack Hughes. Like that's, I feel like Panarin and Hughes is just like, it's too much, you know, like that would be enough to set a team like over the edge. And we just don't have that that firepower on that top line. I think that that's why we end up having to go out and get the Trocheck move is like, we just didn't t- tr- trust our center depth and imagine if Mika's your two C behind Hughes. I mean, like that's, that's kind of disgusting, but I mean, thanks for taking the time and chatting with us, man. We could, we could talk for hours about Rangers hockey, but we're going to go catch the rest of this game and maybe down the line. We'll, we'll chat again soon, brother. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor. Thank you, man. Thanks. Well, let's go Rangers guys. Let's go Rangers.